0: chapter twenty four of a daughter of Today by sarah janet duncan this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce Peary. three days later a note from miss cardiff in kensington square to miss bell in essex court fleet street came back unopened a slanting line in very violet ink along the top read out of town for the present spelled p r e s s e n t m jordan janet examined the line carefully but could extract nothing further from it except that it had been written with extreme care by a person of limited education and a taste for color it occurred to her in addition that the person's name was probably mary Elfrida's actions had come to have a curious importance to janet she realized how great an importance with the excess of irritated surprise which came to her with this unopened note in the beginning she had found elfrida's passionate admiration so novel and so sweet that her heart was half won before they came together in completer intimacy and she gave her new original friend a meed of affection which seemed to strengthen as it instinctively felt itself unreturned at least in kind elfrida retracted none of her admiration and she added to it when she ceded her sympathy the freedom of a fortified city but janet hungered for more inwardly she cried out for the something warm and human that was lacking to elfrida's feeling for her and sometimes she asked herself with grieved cynicism how her friend found it worth while to pretend to care so cleverly more than once she had written to elfrida with the deliberate purpose of soothing herself by provoking some tenderness in reply and invariably the key she had struck had been that of homage more or less whimsically unwilling don't write such delicious things to me mami would come the answer you make me curl up with envy what shall i do if malice and all uncharitableness follow i admire you so horribly there janet told herself sorely that she was sick of Elfrida's admiration It was not the stuff friendships were made of. And a keener pang supervened when she noticed that whatever savored most of an admiration on her own part had obviously the highest value for her friend. The thought of Kendall only heightened her feeling about Elfrida. She would be so much the stronger, she thought, to resist any, any strain, if she could be quite certain Elfrida cared cared about her personally besides the indictment that she janet had against her seemed to make the girl's affection absolutely indispensable and now Elfrida had apparently left london without a word she had dined in kensington square the night before and this was eleven o'clock in the morning it looked very much as if she had deliberately intended to leave them in the dark as to her movements people didn't go out of town indefinitely for the present on an hour's notice the thought brought sudden tears to janet's eyes which she winked back angrily i am getting to be a perfect old maid she reflected why shouldn't Elfrida go to kamshatka if she wants to without giving us notice and she frowned upon her sudden resolution to rush off to fleet street in a cab and inquire of mrs jordan it would be espionage she would wait quite calmly and indefinitely till frida chose to write and then she would treat the escapade whatever it was with the perfect understanding of good-fellowship or perhaps not indefinitely for two or three days It was just possible that Frida might have had bad news and started suddenly for America, by the early train to Liverpool, in which case she might easily not have had time to write. But in that case would not Mrs. Jordan have written, Gone to America? Her heart stood still with another thought. Could she have gone with Kendall? Granting that she had made up her mind to marry him, it would be just elfrida's strange sensational way janet walked the floor in a restless agony mechanically tearing the note into little strips she must know she must find out she would write and ask him for something for what a book a paper the new monthly and she must have some particular reason she sat down to write and pressed her fingers upon her throbbing eyes in the effort to summon a particular reason it was as far from her as ever when the maid knocked and came in with a note from kendall asking them to go and see miss rehan in as you like it that evening a note fragrant of tobacco not an hour old you needn't wait jessie she said i'll send an answer later and the maid had hardly left the room before janet was sobbing silently and helplessly with her head on the table as the day passed however Elfrida's conduct seemed less unforgivable and by dinner-time she was able to talk of it with simple wonder which became more tolerant still in the course of the evening when she discovered that Kendall was as ignorant and as astonished as they themselves she will write janet said hopefully but a week passed and elfrida did not write a settled disquietude began to make itself felt between the cardiffs accepting each other's silence for the statement that elfrida had sent no word they ceased to talk of her as a topic her departure had become painful to both of them janet's anxiety finally conquered her scruples and she betook herself to essex court to inquire of mrs jordan that lady was provokingly mysterious and made the difficulty of ascertaining that she knew nothing whatever about miss bell's movements as great as possible Janet saw an acquaintance with some collateral circumstance in her eyes, however, and was just turning away, irritated by her attempts to obtain it, when Mrs. Jordan decided that the pleasure of the revelation would be, after all, greater than the pleasure of shielding the facts. Whether it has anything to do with Miss Mel or not, of course I can't say," Mrs. Jordan remarked with conscientious hypocrisy, "but Mister Tick." he left town that same mornin she looked disappointed when miss cardiff received this important detail indifferently oh nothing whatever janet replied with additional annoyance that elfrida should have subjected herself to such an insinuation janet had a thoroughgoing dislike to go lightly take. on her way back in the omnibus she reflected on the coincidence however and in the end she did not mention it to her father the next day Lawrence cardiff went to the age office and had the good fortune to see mr rattray who was flattered to answer questions regarding miss bell's whereabouts put by any one he knew to be a friend Mr. Rattray undertook to apologize for their not hearing of the scheme. It had matured so suddenly, Miss Bell couldn't really have had time to do more than pack and start. In fact, there had only been three days in which to make all the arrangements. And of course, the facts were confidential, but there was no reason why Miss Bell's friends should not be in the secret then mr rattray imparted the facts with a certain conscious gratification there had been difficulties but the difficulties had been surmounted and he had heard from miss bell that morning that everything was going perfectly and she was getting hold of magnificent copy he was only sorry that it wouldn't be suitable for serial publication in the age but as professor cardiff was doubtless aware the British public were kittle-cattle to shoe behind, and he hardly thought the age could handle it. "'Oh, yes,' Mr. Cardiff replied absently. "'Cheneymouth, I think you said, for the next five days.' "'Thanks. Successful? I dare say. The idea is certainly a novel one. Good morning.' And he left the sub-editor of the illustrated age in a state of some uncertainty as to the wisdom of having disclosed so much half an hour later when kendall who knew rattray fairly well called and asked him for miss bell's present address he got it with some reluctance and fewer details cardiff drove to his club and wrote a note to janet asking her to send his portmanteau to the three forty five train at euston as he intended to run down to cheneymouth and might stay overnight he fastened up the envelope then after a moment's hesitation tore it open and added miss bell is attempting a preposterous thing i am going to see if it cannot be prevented he fancied janet would understand his not caring to go into particulars in the meantime it was because of his aversion to going into particulars that he sent the note and lunched at the club instead of driving home as he had abundance of time to do janet would have to be content with that it would be bad enough to have to explain rattray's intolerable scheme to her when it had been frustrated after luncheon he went into the smoking-room and read through three leading articles with an occasional inkling of their meaning at the end of the third he became convinced of the absurdity of trying to fix his attention upon anything and smoked his next havana with his eyes upon the toe of his boot in profound meditation an observant person might have noticed that he passed his hand once or twice lightly mechanically over the top of his head but even an observant person would hardly have connected the action with mr cardiff's latent idea that although his hair might be tinged in a damaging way there was still a good deal of it three o'clock found him standing at the club window with his hands in his pockets and the firm-set lips of a man who has made up his mind looking unseeingly into the street at a quarter past he was driving to the station in a hansom smiling at the rosette on the horse's head which happened to be a white one there's cardiff said a man who saw him taking his ticket more than ever the joli garçon an hour and a half later one of the somewhat unprepossessing set of domestics attached to the mansion hotel chenymouth undertook to deliver mr lawrence cardiff's card to miss bell she didn't remember no such name among the young ladies of the peach blossom company but she would inquire there was a ladies drawing-room upstairs if he would like to sit down she conducted him to the lady's drawing-room which boasted two pairs of torn lace curtains a set of dirty furniture with plush trimmings several lithographs of mellow oriental scenes somewhat undecidedly poised upon the wall and a marble-topped center-table around which were disposed at careful intervals three or four copies of last year's illustrated papers you can wait ere sir she said installing him as it were i'll let you know directly at the end of the corridor the girl met elfrida herself who took the card with that quickening of her pulse that sudden commotion which had come to represent to her in connection with any critical personal situation one of the keenest possible sensations of pleasure you may tell the gentleman she said quietly that i will come in a moment then she went back into her own room closed the door and sat down on the side of the bed with a pale face and eyes that comprehended laughed and were withal a little frightened that was what she must get rid of that feeling of fear that scent of adverse criticism she would sit still till she was perfectly calm perfectly accustomed to the idea that laurence cardiff had come to remonstrate with her and had come because because what she had been gradually becoming convinced of all these months was true he was so clever so distinguished he had his eyes and his voice and his whole self so perfectly under control that she never could be quite quite sure but now and in spite of herself her heart beat faster at the anticipation of what he might be waiting to say to her not twenty steps away she hid her face in the pillow to laugh at the thought of how deliciously the interference of an elderly lover would lend itself to the piece of work which she saw in fascinating development under her hand and she had an instantaneous flash of regret that she couldn't use it-no she couldn't possibly with fingers that trembled a little she twisted her hair into a knot that became her better and gave an adjusting pat to the fluffy ends round her forehead nous en ferons une comedie adorable she nodded at the girl in the glass and then with the face and manner of a child detected in some mischief who yet expects to be forgiven she went into the drawing-room at the sight of her all that cardiff was ready to say vanished from the surface of his mind the room was already gray in the twilight he drew her by both hands to the nearest window and looked at her mutely searchingly It seemed to him that she who was so quick of apprehension ought to know why he had come without words and her submission deepened his feeling of a complete understanding between them. I've washed it all off she said naively lifting her face to his scrutiny. It's not an improvement by daylight, you know. He smiled a little, but he did not release her hands elfride you must come home let us sit down she said drawing them away he had a trifle too much advantage standing so close to her tall and firm in the dusk knowing what he wanted and with that tenderness in his voice not that she had the most far-away intention of yielding but she did not want their little farce to be spoiled by any complications that might mar her pleasure in looking back upon it i think said she you will find that a comfortable chair and she showed him one which stood where all the daylight that came through the torn curtains concentrated itself from her own seat she could draw her face into the deepest shadow in the room She made the arrangement almost instinctively, and the lines of intensity the last week had drawn upon Cardiff's face were her first reward. "'I have come to ask you to give up this thing,' he said. Elfrida leaned forward a little in her favorite attitude, clasping her knee. Her eyes were widely serious. "'You ask me to give it up?' She repeated, slowly. But why, do you ask me? Because I cannot associate it with you. To me it is impossible that you should do it. Elfrida lifted her eyebrows a little. Do you know why I am doing it? She asked. I think so. It is not a mere escapade, you understand. And these people do not pay me anything that is quite just because i have never learned to act and i haven't much voice i can take no part only just appear appear cardiff exclaimed have you appeared seven times elfrida said simply but she felt that she was blushing cardiff's anger rose up hot within him and strove with his love and out of it there came a sickening sense of impotency which assailed his very soul all his life he had had tangibilities to deal with this was something in the air and already he felt the apprehension of being baffled here where he wrought for his heart and his future so that is a part of it he said with tightened lips i did not know oh i insisted upon that elfrida replied softly i am quite one of them one of the young ladies of the peach blossom company i am learning all their sensations their little frailties their vocabulary their ways of looking at things i know how the novice feels when she makes her first appearance in the chorus of a spectacle i've noted every vibration of her nerves I'm learning all the little jealousies and intrigues among them and all their histories and ambitions. They are more moral than you may think, but it is not the moral one who is the most interesting. Her virtue is generally a very threadbare, common sort of thing. The others have more color in the fabric of their lives, and you can't think how picturesque their passions are. One of the chorus girls has two children i feel a brute sometimes at the way she Elfrida broke off and looked out of the window for an instant she brings their little clothes into my bedroom to make though there is no need they are in an asylum she is divorced from their father she went on coolly and he is married to the leading lady candidly she added looking at him with a courageous smile prejudice apart is it not magnificent material a storm of words trembled upon the verge of his lips but his diplomacy instinctively closed them up you can never use it he said instead perfectly i am not quite sure about the form whether i shall write as one of them or as myself telling the story of my experience but i never dreamed of having such an opportunity if i didn't mean to write a word i should be glad of it a look into another world with its own customs and language and ethics and pleasures and pains quelle a chance and then she went on as if to herself to be of the life the strange unreal painted lime-lighted life that goes on behind the curtain that is something to act one's part in it to know that one's own secret role is a thousand times more difficult than any in the repertoire you are horribly unresponsive we won't talk of it any longer she added with a little offended air how is janet we must talk of it elfrida cardiff answered let me tell you one thing he added steadily such a book as you propose writing would be classed as the lowest sensationalism people would compare it with the literature of the police court elfrida sprang to her feet with her head thrown back and her beautiful eyes alight Touche, cardiff thought exultingly you may go too far she exclaimed passionately there are some things that may not be said cardiff went over to her quickly and took her hand forgive me he said forgive me i am very much in earnest she turned away from him you had no right to say it you know my work and you know that the ideal of it is everything in the world to me my religion how dared you suggest such a comparison Her voice broke, and Cardiff fancied she was on the brink of tears. Elfrida, he cried miserably, "'let us have an end of this. I have no right to intrude my opinions, if you like my prejudices, between you and what you are doing, but I have come to beg you to give me the right.' He came a step closer and laid his free hand lightly on her shoulder. Elfrida, he said unhesitatingly, I want you to be my wife. And Janet's stepmother, thought the girl swiftly. But she hoped he would not mention Janet. It would burlesque the situation. Your going away made me quite sure, he added simply. I can never do without you altogether again. Instead, I want to possess you altogether. He bent his fine face to the level of hers and took both her hands in his. Elfrida thought that by that light he looked strangely young. She slipped her hands away, but did not move. He was still very close to her. She could feel his breath upon her hair. Oh, no, she said, marriage is so absurd and immediately it occurred to her that she might have put this more effectively cela n'a pas bien dit she thought let us sit down together and talk about it he answered gently and drew her toward the little sofa in the corner but i am afraid there is nothing more to say and in a quarter of an hour i must go cardiff smiled masterfully i could marry you little one in a quarter of an hour he said but at the end of that time Lawrence cardiff found himself very far from the altar and more enlightened perhaps than he had ever been before about the radicalism of certain modern sentiments concerning it she would change he averred might he be allowed to hope that she would change and to wait months years she would never change elfrida avowed it was useless quite useless to think of that the principle had too deep a root in her being to tear it up would be to destroy her whole joy in life she said leaving cardiff to wonder what she meant I will wait, he said, as she rose to go, but you will come back with me now, and we will write a book, some other book, together." The girl laughed gaily. "'All alone, myself, I must do it,' she answered. And I must do this book. You will approve it when it is done. I am not afraid." He took her hands again. Elfrida, he threatened if you go on the stage to-night in the costume i see so graphically advertised an austrian hussar isn't it i will attend i will take a box he added wondering at his own brutality but by any means he must prevail Elfrida turned a shade paler you will not do that she said gravely good-bye Thank you for having come to persuade me to give this up and i wish i could do what you would like but it is quite quite impossible she bent over him and touched his forehead lightly with her lips good-bye she said again and was gone an hour later he was on his way back to town as the mail train whizzed by another sidetracked to await its passing mr cardiff might have seen kendall if there had been time to look puffing luxuriously in a smoking-compartment and unfolding a copy of the illustrated age chapter twenty four